Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision. Welcome to another edition of the Redeemed Vision podcast. I'm your host, Steve Picorni. I'm the founder of Freedom Coaching. You can find all about all of the work that we're doing, the good work that we're doing at freedom-coaching.net. It's an honor to have you here. I have a very special guest. And before I get to that, just a little housekeeping, uh, just a little reminder, our uh, one of the our sponsors for this work is Hello. And Hello is the number one app for Catholic meditation and prayer. You can download it today to find peace, to sleep better, to pray more, and to deepen your relationship with God. So it's a prayer app that allows for guided meditation sessions to grow in faith, to grow in our spiritual lives, and to find that peace, that peace the world just cannot give. And there's a uh, there's a link at the bottom of this podcast, wherever uh, wherever you find this here. Uh, it's Hallow, and for those who are just looking it up online, hallow.com forward slash freedom coaching. You're going to get three months free, and then after that, you're going to start begin to support this podcast and all the good work that we're doing. Um, also, encourage you if you it's in your heart, if it moves you to want to support this uh, work directly, you can go right to our main page, the main page at the bottom, freedom-coaching.net, to support us. We have a nonprofit, and so it'll be able to benefit you, but also especially getting the word out of this great work and the important work here of setting captives free from pornified images and unchaste behavior, but also to help with scholarships for those um, who uh, maybe are not able to provide, such as uh, we're working with bringing a, um, a gentleman from Venezuela on board right now. So to be able to support him, to bring him on as a, as a client, your support goes a long way. And then also as an encouragement, please like to click the bell to subscribe, you know, share and to share this so we can get this message out. It's, these are topics that are so crucial. And we're talking about things in ways that a lot of people aren't going so deep. And we want to go deep, find satisfying answers here. So since uh, since we last met, a lot of things have transpired. A few weeks ago, I was invited uh, to go to um, a healing um training for healing and it's through uh, an organization known as encounter ministries um there were uh let me say miracles no nothing less than miracles that took place in that room i saw people's leg, uh, legs get lengthened people got their hearing restored um got the uh somebody gained some some inches there uh, in the meantime i've started praying with people and finding that this is a power of jesus christ for healing and he wants us healed in many many ways and so i like to say that you know i look at my life as kind of an extension of um uh, of healing and, and things he's wanted to do in, in getting that that word out now there's some direct healings that are happening here so this is going to only in, in, encourage and 
um, and enhance the work we're doing in freedom coaching. If you are interested for me to go deeper into the subject about healing, because every baptized Christian is called to be a means of healing. It's obviously different than sacramental healing, like we, what we find with priests, but all of us are called to engage in this and, and from a very vibrant faith. So if you want me to go deeper into this subject, just let me know in the comments and I'll be happy to create a full episode on this and we can discuss it further. So without further ado, I want to bring on to you uh, in this uh, this topic um, a, a near and dear associate, I say, but I, I dare to say also a friend. Uh, his name is Father Thomas Loya. He has been a massive, massive influence in the work we do in freedom coaching and the work that he's done um, has has impacted countless people. Um, and I think those are going to be the fun stories for heaven. For those who don't know, Father Thomas Loya is the co-founder and director of the Tabor Life Institute. Um, he is currently the pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. I highly recommend that you go and check out uh, his parish, go visit, go worship there. If you have never experienced an Eastern Catholic litur liturgy, you are in for a treat. And as a hint, and we will get into this today, he's an iconographer. And so everything you see on the inside of that church, um, he has been the one to be, uh, say, the uh, the collaborator with God uh, show in this. And um, as I mentioned, the co-founder and director of the Table Life Institute, as well as the host of two radio programs, Light of the East, which can be heard in more than 60 uh, cities uh, in the U.S. And, and, and on several Catholic radio networks that's included on Ida Idiabutian Radio, as well as Beyond the Veil, which is heard on Ave Maria Radio. He also, I totally, I, I also want to encourage you, please, if you, again, this would be one of the valuable uh, reasons to use Facebook, his daily uh, Facebook Live videos. He's way beyond me on daily videos. Um, they're hilarious, uh, but they're also very informative. And uh, Father Loya also has a degree from the Cleveland Art Institute of Art, which is back in my own uh, stomping grounds of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, preferred uh, pursued a career in commercial art and design. Uh, was called to the priesthood, and I want to get into all of this. And most importantly, I would say for the work here, he was there at the audiences for John Paul II when he was delivering his weekly audiences on uh, on theology of the body, but. Um, I don't want to steal too much of the thunder, and I want to dig in on this. So let me bring to the the, the Redeemed Vision podcast, Father Thomas Loya. Welcome. Thank you, Steve. Great to be here. Good to see you again and uh, connect with you. And uh, I know we're already into it, but blessed New Year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, we are. And actually, and for for those in the East, who, those who are not aware, our new year, our new new year really starts on September 1st, right? So... Um, but for the rest of the world, January 1st. But here we are, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, Father, what I'd like to do, I'd like to, and, and thank you again for, for taking time to, to dig in on, on uh, this discussion. I'd like to, because it's it's a very interesting and, and unusual, shall we say, uh, perspective that there's a priest who's an artist. What is that all about? We're gonna. I would like to unpack that, but I want you to take us back to the beginning. And what was your experience of of life growing up in your family well i 
came from a family of faith, a Byzantine Catholic family, and both sides of my family goes back generations. In fact, uh, I have uh, one of the reasons it goes back many generations is because I have uh, I come from married priests on both sides of my family. Uh, the Eastern Catholic churches, many of them uh, can ordain married men to the priesthood. You know, you have to say it right. Priests don't get married. Married men can become priests. So <laughs> it's a tradition in the Eastern churches. So my grandfather was a priest, great grandfather and so on. So I had a very rich heritage in the faith in the in the church, especially the Byzantine church. But I also knew that I was pretty good at art since I was a kid. So I basically pursued that as a career, always studied it, stayed with it, developed it, uh, and then went into the, as you said, the Cleveland Institute of Art to pursue a career in art. Uh, as I was coming to the end of that studies, those studies, I started to feel a call. And so I needed a little more time. So when I got out of college, art college, I actually got a job, an art job. It was actually with a church design firm, a pretty big name church design firm at the time. And we, we would design uh, and churches, do the artwork, stained glass models, everything. It, you know, I used all of my art ability and training for that job. And during that time is when I solidified my discernment and then decided that um, I would enter the seminary. So I entered the seminary and I went to first a couple of years of our Byzantine Catholic Seminary, which is in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Pennsylvania. And then I finished my studies in Rome, had a wonderful opportunity to go to Rome because of all that art and so on. And yes, that's where I heard live St. John Paul II Mm -hmm. deliver his monumental catechesis that we now know is the theology of the body. In fact, uh, I'm kind of a relic, Steve, because um, <laughs> especially as I get older, because as far as I know, there's only one other priest that I know of. Maybe there's someone else, but mm -hmm. that I personally know of all these years. There's only mm -hmm. one other priest that speaks on the theology of the body, as I have over the years, mm -hmm. who was actually there present to hear live from John Paul II's lips the theology of the body. Uh, most everybody else has learned it in other ways, you know, uh, through his writings and, you know, the, the great teachers, Christopher West and so on. But I was there, uh, just a privilege. I, I didn't realize what I was hearing, actually, I and mean, I loved it, but I later realized what this was and uh, became a constant student of it. And it fits so well into my own personal experience as an artist, because John Paul II was an artist, uh, more so in terms mm -hmm. of like uh, poetry and writing and, and the theater and so on. But he had the, that artist's heart. And he knew how to get into there. He knew how to use that solely artist to bring us to this right vision of life. That's the key. Mm -hmm. I remember when I uh, was hearing his talks, I, I couldn't believe that a pope was talking this much on this subject of human sexuality, man and woman, what that meant. Because I loved that topic. It was always a special topic of mine, interest of mine. Yes. And I would do whatever I could to teach myself about it. But then came John Paul II's monumental teaching. And that, of course, was a platform for all kinds of, of further mm -hmm. studies on my part and so on. But, but the fact that he, he was able to present you know, the great sacramental why behind our being man and woman and, and in a very artistic way even had a – in fact, the, the talk that he gave before he was shot – was mm. the last talk he gave before that. I was there right in St. Peter's Square when he was shot. I witnessed that. Wow. Uh, he, he gave the talk on pornography and art. And, and then the following week, he was shot. In fact, he was going to announce the opening of the John Paul II Institute at that, at that day. Yes. That day he was shot. Uh, but yeah, yes, was, my, my alma mater. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, uh, so it was interesting that this, 
you know, the devil, you know, once he heard, he heard, he kept hearing that it's probably like nails on a chalkboard for the devil hearing these weekly teachings. <laughs> but when he came to the one that would kill pornography, that mm -hmm. so the devil had to try and take him out physically. You know, that's how I look at it. It just, I, I, I want to ping, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ping pong here. You've given you've given so much so much here. So the opening salvo in a lot of areas here. So I'm going to stay right here. So you, I want to make sure I heard this correctly. You're in the square when John Paul was shot. Yes. In fact, um, I I say that I knew it was going to happen. I know that takes wow. some explaining. Tell us more. Okay. Tell us more, please. I, I knew it was going to happen. What happened was during that time, there was a vote, a referendum going on in Rome. And the Pope John Paul II was coming out and speaking publicly on that to the to the Italian voters. And it had to do with pro-life. It was a pro-life matter. I don't exactly. It had to do with abortion and so on. And he was appealing to the voters of Italy to vote uh, in terms of referendum in the right way for pro-life. Now, we have to understand something. In, in Italy, you have representations like Nazi Party, Communist Party. It's not like your United mm -hmm. States, you know, that'd be unthinkable. But they actually, those parties still exist there, fascists and so on. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the Communist Party had its own newspaper, a big newspaper there in town. And they were coming out and really going after the Pope. If I, you know, how dare he mm -hmm. speak about this and so on. So what happens, Steve, to be honest with you, deep in me, deep, deep in my soul, the deepest part of my gut, my soul intuition, what do you want to call it? I started feeling mm -hmm. throughout the week a growing sense of the Pope was in danger. And this mm -hmm. kept happening. In fact, when I went, I would go and see his talks every Wednesday live. I'd go there and hear him live, shake his hand and everything. And I went that day because now I normally would go. But I also went because this is why I went there. I said, he is in big trouble today. Wow. And this kept like, like the music, a crescendo. So it was almost like a voice in my head screaming at me. So I mm. went and I stood in a place where I know since I lived there and you know, I'd see him every week, I knew where to stand to get close, you know. So I stood in, in my in one of my usual places up close where he'd go by. But he was a little bit late that day. So I got a little bit tired. I, so I thought, I'm going to go sit down for a little bit. I sat down by the colonnades. And I'm sitting there waiting for them to come out. And this thing is growing in me. I mean, it is shouting in me. And I'm starting to actually look around. I'm actually looking around for a sniper. I actually was looking around for a sniper. That's how strong this was in me. And this thing is growing like a voice in your head, louder and louder and louder. And he comes out. The crowd's cheering. He finally comes out. He comes out a minute or two. And all of a sudden, they hear, pow, pow. And the whole place ended up suspended animation, like like a time stood still. Like it just was like surreal, like there was another world. And I remember I stood up and I said, Don't you understand? He shot, he shot. I knew he was gonna be shot. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And and then there was this, it was just surreal. It's like you were in a like we were between eternity and this world in that moment. It was unbelievable, unbelievable, but indescribable. And then yes. after those moments. And I was saying he's been shot. He's been shot. It's like I, like I, like I knew it. I wondered why nobody else knew it. You know, it was like that strong in me. And and then then the, the little bit of pandemonium started. You know, the people started screaming and out, and out of out of nowhere, like they came out of the clouds like angels or something, came SWAT teams. I mean, full. <laughs> I mean, they came right by me. They came from everywhere. I mean, I don't know where they came from, Steve, but they wow. were charging into that square, guns ready and all that. And I was scared because I didn't know if this was going to be a shootout. And they sealed us in. You couldn't run. You, know, you couldn't get out because you didn't want anybody to get out. They, you know, I didn't know what this I didn't know if this was one guy or what. 
And then I thought, well, if I run, if I get out of here, my instinct was to get out of here. I don't be in a crossfire. But then here I am. Look at me. Now imagine me younger, you know, just in my regular jeans and stuff like that. I, I could have been a suspect. You know, I couldn't be very suspect running away from that scene. You know, it's just an average single guy, you know, with a beard, you know. So I stayed in there. And, uh, and, and uh, they, there was this pandemonium up there. And they, 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 he tried to get away and they got him. And one of the instrumental people in, in, in getting his assailant was a nun, a Catholic nun. <laughs> and that which just proves the adage when I was in Rome, you, you didn't, the most powerful force in Rome were Catholic nuns. So anyway, don't mess with them. They got him. I don't, don't mess with them. And then when I looked over and saw when they had got him, I thought, my goodness, that's right where I was standing moments ago. Wow. Because he knew where to stand. I am. And I knew the choicest places to stand, you know, because I go every week. I wasn't a tourist. Mm. I was a resident. Yeah, you know, I was living there. So I knew. So and so mm. did he know. If you want to get close to the Pope, this is where you jockey for position, you know, and that's where mm. he was. And I could have been right there when the bullet was flying. You know, uh, it was just moments. Mm. I suspected I was he was late. Maybe go and sit down in the colonnade. I was still in the, you know, in the in the in the, uh, the piazza there and then saw all this. And then then when they finally got him, took him away. And then then. Uh, one of the cardinals, the bishops there, started leading everybody in, in the prayer, uh, and finally, I uh, we started praying, and then eventually they opened up and let us let us go. And I went back to the north. I was at the North, north American College at the time, and I told the guys I was I almost couldn't talk. I said I, I saw the Pope get shot, and I had and I had news people calling me from all over the country and all that stuff, you know, to get my story, you know. But I I didn't want to talk to them because you know I had family. I didn't know how big this was. You know, terrorism was something that was there. You know, you have terrorism there in Europe a lot. You know, when it was there at that time, I didn't know if there'd be connections. They'd harm my family if I was going to talk about this or whatever. You know, it's just a, a surreal experience. But the other great thing about it too is that was the same year Reagan got shot too. Yes. The same year, within a few months of each other. And you know, the, the great thing is though is the other beautiful part about it is I was there to witness John Paul II his first reappearance after he had recovered miraculously, and you know um, how God works. God rose up a statesman and a churchman, two giants from both venues, to stop the threat of communism at that time to break down the Iron Curtain. It was John Paul and Ronald Reagan, and they both incurred the exact same injuries. They both were miraculous recovery because they both should have died based on their injuries. Mm -hmm. And when they met together, they eventually met together, kind of like the World War II veterans. Hey, look at my shot. Oh, yeah, look at mine. Oh, yeah, I'll show you mine. <laughs> <laughs> really? They were like, oh, you, you I, can, I can totally see that happening. I can totally see yeah. that. But then they agreed. They realized that they were called by God together to bring down mm -hmm. communism. And that's what they did. They were committed from that point on. They were in constant mm -hmm. touch with each other. In fact, um, they even had a, a, when Reagan wanted to contact the Pope, John Paul II, he would use a code word because the Russians would be, of course, be eavesdropping. And the, uh, the code word to his assistants were, okay, let's go for cappuccino. That meant they're going to call hmm. the Pope. There's a, a author, hmm. you probably know, Paul, Paul uh, Congor, Con, um uh, he wrote in a, he he gave a talk on this and he wrote about this extensively. So if you want to get his books, uh, you got to think of his last name, Younger or Conger, something like that. Paul, uh, it's Paul. It's not okay. Okay, Conger. Yeah, anyway. This is this is fascinating. And actually, one one follow up question on this: What did the nun do? I got to know. I I don't know where she went, but uh, she 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 tackled the guy. <laughs> she grabbed him. <laughs> yeah. That, and, wow. And, you know, okay. my, 
Good. Somebody was injured because the bullet, one of the bullets went through John Paul II into another person. Hmm. That's another That's piece right. of it that we don't realize, you know. That's right. So, so that person, right. that person has a first class relic inside their body. Inside of them. Wow. They got a piece of John Paul inside their body, you know. The I'd like to know who that is. Yeah, I know it's an unsung story, but that's what happened. His hand, you know, because one of the bullets went you know, through his side, through his hand, and, and into another person, which could have been me. So this is exactly, yeah, you know, pray, and praise God, you were you were okay. Um, and I, I I like to say this this little microcosm or conversation is kind of like Catholicism. There's a, a major explosion of things that happen, but then there's a great mysteries. What about this and this and this? We're trying to unpack unpack yeah. this. Beautiful. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you for sharing that. I, I uh, In all my years of knowing you, I've never heard that story. I've never known that. So uh, I, this is the kind of things, folks, that you discover on the, the Redeemed Vision podcast. There's new new things here. It's beautiful. So uh, this, this is wonderful. So obviously, John Paul is blows your mind later on with, with these, these teachings on theology of the body, brings you in on this. And I want to I want to I want to go back really quick if you'll permit me to the experience of of life in the family. I mean, this is this is what we what we as as Catholics believe that it's in the in the family with a father and mother united with their children is a family, and it's where we are to experience life where we're supposed to be inculcated with the virtues and enter into this. So, mm -hmm. and, and obviously art from an early age became just kind of a part of you discovering this is a, a, a natural so a latent talent that becomes overt so what was the experience so two-part question here what what was the experience of art in your family and and how was again can deeply connected with art is beauty how were beauty communicated to you as a, a child and growing up in that environment well yes art was in my family my aunt there were artists in my family. i've come from a very big family the lawyer family is very big so mm -hmm. there are different talents in the family you know when it's big law of averages, you got different people with different talents. So the art was definitely a, a strain that went through uh, the Loya family. So I picked up the art, you know, strain, <laughs> the art gene. So I, I, my parents noticed when I was early on that I was pretty good at it. My dad encouraged me, which was a big, that's a whole other topic in itself in terms of uh, the father's voice and so on for a, for a young man. Mm. But I, I then just kept pursuing it. Uh, enjoyed it and I would study it knowing formally like at school I would take art classes and I went to art college of course I took summer courses but I also studied on my own I read voraciously I would get grab art books and uh, uh, and, mm -hmm. and uh, loved Michelangelo he was he was my idol you know I just loved Michelangelo um, I like all, all artists and so what happened was early on from a kid onward it was nothing for me in studying art meant studying basically but the portrayal of the human body in various ways mm. but even nude but you know you never saw it that mm. way i saw it as art as beauty and it was portrayed that way the, the art that i would study you know of course you know michelangelo and the you know the great the, the, you know da vinci the, the broke artists the impressionists all, all those great artists uh, portray the human body with such uh, grace and dignity and beauty and later came to know that it was because in the human body god had put the sum total of all elements of beauty. So that's why the artists always try to use the human body as a motif so much, mm. but also to master it. That's why you would draw and paint the naked human body uh, or, or half-clothed or whatever. The, the human body was the mm -hmm. subject 
that you had to master or try always to continue to master if you want to be a for real artist. It's like everything emanates from there. It's kind of like, you know, mm. like Eucharist, source and summit of everything, you know, you know, yeah. like, like Eucharist, like a mantra and how the mantra is made where the rays come outward, emanate out from the Eucharist, from the, from the host. Well, that, that's how the human body is to art. You know, everything emanates from there. And so to understand the human body is to understand all kinds of things about form and structure and, and contrast and shadow and proportion and, and just everything. Uh, character. Oh, it's, uh, it's beautiful, and I want to I want to explode this theme in just a moment. But you said something you said something really important that I don't I don't want to gloss over. Right, as you're growing up, you had this. I'm going to use your words, voracious. I'm going to and then I'm going to throw the word hunger. Yeah. In for for diving into art. So, can you describe more? What what was that hunger like for you? Like. Enter, what was, what, describe that. Enter into that. I want to see if you can go into that experience for us. It was it was a fundamental sensitivity to beauty in all its forms, mm -hmm. in particular how human beings, artists, could capture that beauty and make beautiful things. Uh, and so I would uh, I would go to uh, bookstores or stores that had like you know like like craft stores over that had art books. And I would buy them and I would use them. I read them. I would draw from them. I, I, I would go to the library and I take out, I would bring home for my weekend. My weekend activity as a kid growing up was to get art books from the library at school and just study and look at those art books all weekend. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love just, I didn't have to like be out partying or whatever, you know, I mean, I was a regular guy, you know, I was in the band, we did things on that, but I, I, I loved just, grabbing uh getting a hold of some art books of masterpiece masterpieces of artists great artists mm -hmm. and just looking at them and studying them and being awed by them and learning then i would go to the art museum and i would always get yelled at by the security guy because i practically have my nose <laughs> because i was studying i was unlocking their secrets i was like x-ray yes. my eye was like x-ray I was seeing how they did this, what was underneath it all. Mm. And I'd get up close, you know, and I'd see every little thing, how they did the paint, how many layers, what's underneath, what what kind of a uh, what what kind of translucency are they using? What kind of it was just I just studied, studied, studied uh, uh, the paintings at the art museum and, and of course the sculptures, all the art, you know, but in particular uh, the paintings and drawings. And uh, so there was a lot of of self teaching by just being captivated by it and immersing myself in it. And um, and again, I was most I was fascinated by all of it, but most fascinated by an odd, I should say, odd by the rendering of the human person, the human body, uh, by the great artist. You know, that was the most fascinating thing for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, later, when I went to art school, I realized, well, that's what you did. We, I had uh, you, you spend uh, several days a week, several hours a day doing what is called figure drawing or figure painting. Yes. You know, the, and live models, you know, uh, you do other things too, of course. But but see that the thing about the human form is that's that's the key, that's the center, the source and sum of it all. And uh, it just fascinated me. And it, but especially the 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 artists that could portray that with such power and beauty. Uh, and that's a lot what I learned. I learned I would learn from them, from the masters, you know. Uh, you know, like, like we do with the, oh, the fathers of the church, you know, <laughs> the spiritual masters. Well, I would you learn from the masters a lot. I did a lot of self-teaching, although I had formal training, of course. But it was the self-teaching that really 
inspired me and uh, really immersed me into the mystery of, of art or portraying beauty. Basically, art is about seeing, just like our faith. And that's what John Paul's whole thing was. And that's why I took to him, because he was speaking my language. It was about seeing. It's about seeing the invisible made visible through the physical. That's, that's the only thing you need to know in life. That's it. Everything else unfolds from there. It's the incarnational mystery. Here's an invisible, uncontainable, incomprehensible God who becomes visible, tangible. We can touch him through, only, only through, only and only through the physical. There is no connection between heaven and earth without the physical. You can't just think God or have him in your heart kind of thing, emote about him or think about him. You have to touch mm -hmm. him. He has to touch you. And, and the way yes. it, that, that intimacy, and it did it, the, the only way an invisible God becomes visible and tangible is the, meeting, the mediator is something physical. And that's the whole sacramental life of the church. So, so the, the whole earth, all of creation becomes one big sacrament. It's, it's the earth and all things in it, the human person, the created order becomes something that makes the invisible visible and present to the point we can actually become that. We can commune with God and he with us. It's the only way it can be done. You've got to have the physical. And that physical now, because of that, the incarnation, the physical now becomes holy, you know, incarnational, sacramental. The earth, the, the earth and everything in it is a participation and revelation of God. And, and, and with that vision, that's why John Paul was so big on this vision as the key to our sexual purity. You've got to see the sacramentality of your body mm -hmm. and what's going on in the actions of your body. That was his whole point. Yes. They, they speak about our ultimate destiny. They speak about heavenly realities. They make heavenly realities real for us. We can touch them through our bodies. So now that gives you a, a whole new correct sacramental view of the human body. And from that comes all the so-called sexual morality and impurity. That's what it's Yes. Oh, okay. okay. This is, oh, Okay. Uh, as you're as you're speaking right now, um, I'm 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 being I'm being hit with the uh, Luke 24, where our hearts not burning within us, right? right? <laughs> Hearing this, your 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 description of of you, again the voracious hunger of going into art here is a description of a man in love. Right. That's what yeah. it, that's what it is. Uh, and, yeah. And then, and then and oh, like you, you and, and and clearly clearly. You have fallen out of love. It's only grown deeper and deeper and deeper and and, and much more wider, right? And it's right. and it's the right. incarnation. I mean, this this is the just for all those who are hearing this, all who are hearing this conversation, right? This is the madness, the divine madness of our God. That He, right. it's not that we are merely to be in love with Him, but He is. Yes, He is love, but He's in love with us so much, so much right. so that He weds Himself eternally to our creation and it's right. in and through that specific body of the incarnation of jesus christ that puts us in touch with god and reality this right. is mind-blowing yes god is true good and beautiful and through that beauty by looking at those pictures studying the art it was a mystical yes. experience for me i was experiencing god mm. i felt that like i said it was the love in it was a love affair it was falling in love with god and that's one of the reasons i became a priest because uh, you know, after all this revelation, 
of God's beauty to me, in a sense, he kind of seduced me. What else can I do but fall in love with him, you know? So it was partly my the art that led me to the priesthood, you know, that that uh, I fell in love with God because he revealed his beauty to me. And that is what I wanted to be with from with my whole life. Lord, Lord, you duped me and I let myself be yeah, duped. Augustine, right. Well, you yeah, got duped, like, well, I, maybe I super duped. <laughs> yeah, I did. I tried to resist it for a while, but uh, forget it. You're not going to resist that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't. And so I want to, I want to drive into a word that you said that is shocking to a ton of Catholics, to a bunch of Christians, maybe even to the world. And you said, quoting, you were painting live nudes. Okay, let's right. let's let that soak in just for a minute. Okay, you are a Catholic priest, yes. Mm -hmm. Last time you checked, he doesn't just he doesn't just one play play one on TV. And so I want you to go back because this is this is this is crazy foreign. Like I just want to I want to like yes, you've talked about this for for a long time, but I want to go back to this initial experience here, like like because obviously you'd seen the masters do it, and yeah. and and this because the, the human body is the ultimate form of art and beauty, and, and because that's the way God designed it. Take us back to the first what's called the life art class, right? That you attended, that this experience happened. Can you walk us through what was that initial experience of, of entering into that? Well, you know, I'll tell you, I, I was going to go to art school. And I remember, again, like, glad you started with my family. Think of the background it came from. Priest families. You know, I literally sprang from the loins of priests. So I got to be this, you know, <laughs> holy family, you know. <laughs> but my parents knew about my art. They, you know, I would study mm -hmm. and so on. And they knew that I went to art school, that I would be studying drawing live nude models. And they were okay mm. with that, you know, and they weren't like liberal where they just, they just had a very good sacrament understanding that that was part of how you became an artist. And they knew I was okay with it because mm. I studied it all the time and pictures and so on. So, so there I am, here I am 18 years old, you know, and you know, 18 year old little guys, you know, they were at the height of our hormone level, right? Hormones. Yep. Yeah. Hormones. yeah. There I am young guy going to go to my lap my first life drawing class knowing that i for the first time in my life believe it or not at 18 mm -hmm. i still had not seen a naked woman live girl live <laughs> and uh it's almost a requirement now the way the world is you know yep. you know yep. but i had not seen that so i knew for the first time in my life i was going to see someone generally was a woman uh model naked before me and, and I was waiting for the moment. Okay, how this would be a whole new moment for me. But I knew and everything I had studied up till then about the human body and uh, the, the, the wonderful portrayal of it and so on by the great artist. And I remember I'm standing with my, sitting there with my drawing board, ready to go. And she gets up on the, the little platform right in the middle of all these artists sitting around there. And then she drops her robe and she's totally nude. And I'll never forget that experience. It was absolutely mystical. It was absolutely mystical. I looked at her and I just started drawing away. And I thought, wow, just a naked woman in front of me. You know, lovely naked woman. Now, the models came in all kinds of forms. In fact, to be honest with you, I enjoyed the fat ones the best. Many of the body, the human body is always interesting, whether it's old, wrinkly, fat, beautiful, whatever. It's it's always a great. Okay, great can, 
Wait, wait, go, go into that though. Like when you say it's more interesting to draw a fat person, we'll use that person. Why for you? Why do you say that? Because it was, uh, uh, it, it had it had more uh, challenge, more to it. There's a lot of character. There are more uh, mountains and curves and things, you know, and proportions. Yes. And for me, it made it uh, very interesting. Uh, back, we even had models that were mother-daughter team. And the mother mm -hmm. and the daughter were both posing, you know. And uh, the mother was, of course, a little more, what do, you, what do you call it, maternal looking, you know, in her body. The girl was much more, you know, young body. And uh, it was interesting to be able to draw them together, to be able to master. There's a there's a more, uh, what do you call it, maternal, matriarchal kind of body, the woman, the older woman. Mm -hmm. And there's the younger, you know, very slender, very, you know, uh, uh, like young girl's body, you know. And, and to to capture the character of those two and the, to, to um, the contrast of that was was an interesting challenge. And I remember when it was such a mystical experience because I knew I knew in that moment, I sensed and I felt it, that this was something of a lofty, transcendent, very uh, holy moment. Because mm -hmm. like John Paul II says, there was the there there is he talks about gift of self, the mutual gift, rest of, rest of, reciprocal gift of self. Here is this person making the gift of themselves, entrusting their body to the gaze of all these artists. And there you are having to give back the gift of yourself, of your gaze to her, not as something pornographic or lustful, but as something in the order of beauty. And in fact, uh, when I did that, I, you know, I was drawing and I thought, wow, I'm feeling, I'm sensing, I know it. There is no lust here. Mm -hmm. This is just an ecstatic, oh. a transcendent experience. This is beautiful. This is innocent. This is like, I. This woman is giving me her body, and I am cherishing, I am cherishing that gift and trying to respond to it with the all the gift that I have as an artist. In fact, during the breaks, they would take breaks, you know, the models, and they would come around, talk with us. They look at our drawings and see how they're being portrayed, you know, and so on, you know. Um, <laughs> But, they, you know, they had, there were men artists uh, on models too, and they would do different things, all kinds of poses. Some, some depending on the challenge, the assignment of the day was, okay, we're going to do very short poses and see how much you can draw and catch in your eye, you know, from a short pose. Then there was longer pose. Then was like an all day one or one that would go on for a week till you finish the whole, you know, your whole masterpiece, mm -hmm. you know. And that model, boy, you think, you talk about a hard job. You know how hard it is? Yes. Still, you try doing that for two minutes. Keep perfectly still. I just try to tell my children that they can't sit still for for a minute. So there you go. Yeah, you know, you strike. They struck a pose, and they had to keep that. Otherwise, you know, a drawing is going to be, you know, changed. You have to stay still. And it was amazing what they could do, and it was such a gift, you know. And um, mm. it was like no room for for loss. You didn't have time for that. You're so focused on. This is a tremendous challenge. You got a challenge in front of you. You got to try and capture this incredible complex beauty. In, in front of you with the, the right kind of capture, the character, the gesture, you know, you know, when people, what, when you do the human body, right. Like the great masters did, it's not just about, you got something like mechanic. A lot of people when they're not that skilled or adept in art, they're, they're very sort of mechanical about it. You have to capture the character. What's going on. There's like a gesture, a character going on. That's like coming through that pose. You know, it's just not a robotic, static thing. There's, there's a life. There's a character to it, and you have to try and capture that. You know, 
And so, because that's, it's called life drawing. You're trying to capture life. Here's something that's live in front of you and you're capturing the, the very essence of it. Same thing like in landscape or whatever, you know, Steve, when you, you know, you can paint and photographs, which is great and you need to do helpful, but when you're outside in nature and you're trying to paint, you know, a draw or something, what you're seeing in live nature, it's quite a challenge because you know the sun is changing, wind is changing, and you got to try and capture that. And it's so alive. You know, you're trying to you're trying to capture not just the colors and shapes. You're trying to capture the life that's there. You know, you're trying to capture that experience that you have watching this in real life, seeing this this thing in real life. So it's not you're not capturing something static. You're trying to literally capture life on your canvas and communicate that on your canvas, your drawing board. So that's what it was to, to draw these these uh, models, and uh, like I said, the first time it was one of the most mystical experiences of my life. You know, it's like, how's this going to be? How am I going to be? You know, because there's the real thing. Drops that, drops that gown. There she is, and there I am with my pencil and my paper. <laughs> Entering into that experience. Okay, so let me let me unpack this a little bit for those who've been hearing. And, and this, is, this is thank you, Father Lord. This is beautiful. As you're speaking, especially that that experience of she drops drops her robe. You see her in all her all her glory. It's the experience. It's very much so to a very real degree of the innocence of Adam and Eve, where Adam sees Eve and Eve sees yeah. Adam. It's not it's not a reduction. To body parts or reduction at all, but it's actually oh. more. I right. I perceive the the more, or shall we say, a more. Right. I'm entering right. into the love of this person here, and I love that phrase that you just used. Of yes, an artist is trying. A true artist is trying to capture life itself. Right. Right. I think I think this is why so many artists are a little, well, to some people, a little off, or they seem off. Because they're trying, like, I mean, Van Gogh cuts off his ear, right? Like, yeah. trying to capture life, but I'm just not getting it right. 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 And, right. It's, and I, right. Go ahead, please. Yeah, it's almost like a, a torture almost. Because, see, the artist is on the doorstep of, of the transcendent. He's almost there, yeah. but he knows that there's still more. And it drives him nuts to try and get there, to take that next step, to, to, to go through that threshold of transcendence. And that's why a lot of artists, uh, musicians, especially, you know, we hear of them being doing so much with drugs and all that stuff. But I think the reason for that is mm -hmm. not to justify it, but if you walk it back and see what's the source of that, why is why is drug addiction, alcohol, smoking pot, all that kind of thing so big with musicians, artists and all that? It's because their their whole being, the orientation is reaching for that which can't be obtained. It, their whole orientation is toward the transcendence and they're trying to like blow their minds to blow open the 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 mm. boundaries that they feel that is not allowing them to to get to that trend to cross that threshold mm. so they, they sort of like try to blow those 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 limits you know with the drugs and all that again i'm not mm. justifying i'm just explaining what's going on you know it's almost like a like it's almost like a um it's it's a quest that they know is there. They can smell it. They can see it, and they're reaching for it. That next level. Think of any great musician, how their music developed, and they kept going to the next level. The next level of their craft, their musicianship, their their composition. Same with the artists. That's why you can tell different phases in, in the life of an artist, like the, the like the castle, his blues stage, or this stage, or that stage, because it was always another step of their transcendence of trying to get to that ultimate you know the artist can smell it the average person 
what makes the artist is the one he can see it and smell it and taste it. He can he can barely touch it, but he knows it's still out there and he's reaching for it. It's it's like driving him mad. That's why artist musicians can be kind of weird, almost like mad, mm-hmm. because they're, they're engaged in something that drives them mad. But 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 out of beauty, you know, it, it's like the, the beauty is 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 like um, you know, it's like looking at the sun. You know, the sun is powerful. Mm-hmm. But, but it's dangerous, you know, because if you look at it too much, same thing with the artist, the, the reaching that transcendence is, is powerful. You're, you're going beyond, you're trying to stretch beyond the human limits to find that yet perfect capturing of, of beauty, that next level of creativity. And it almost drives you nuts. There's a famous story of, you know, who uh, Charlie Parker was, you know, the great, great hmm. uh, saxophone, jazz, jazz saxophonist, you know, mm-hmm. Bob the Bebop, you know, probably the most famous jazz saxophonist ever lived. And one time during a, he was playing and he took a break and he looked at a saxophone. He said to the audience, you know, someday I'm going to learn how to play this thing. <laughs> and he was the greatest that there was, you know. But, you know, the spiritual masters would say the same thing, Steve. They, they would say, some of them say on their deathbed, you know what? I'm only beginning to learn this Christianity thing right now. And these were saints. St. Ignatius said yes. that. St. Ignatius of Antioch. You know, was fed to him on his way to Rome. The lions. So he said in his deathbed, he said, "You know, don't don't praise me all that, brothers. I'm just beginning to learn this Christian thing." And he comes. He's at the end of his life. That's the same thing with the artist, because those both those things have in common: the smell of the transcendent. They can smell what's beyond, and they're striving for it. And and but there's yes. a limitation. And that limitation, the tension of that limitation and that strive, the ability to reach there. There, there, there's a meaning point that's like a threshold that is like a tension point. It drives them nuts. And that's why they'll take drugs and get high and all that. They're trying to break yes. that tension point. Yeah, the, like the story that comes to mind, well, the, the story that, that comes to mind, especially this, this, this desire for the transcendent. And, and, if, and if I'm not saying this correct, Father, then a, a little break, then please correct me. You're, you're giving us... You're giving us an insight into the way you have experienced, to a degree, that mystical reality that comes into the work that you're doing. And I think I thank you for that because I think we can get so caught up into all the problems of the world. And this is another reason why I say art or beauty itself, which is obviously connected directly connected with art. Beauty is useless. Beauty is functionless. But, but a, a world and a, and a life without beauty, the soul shrivels up and dies. Right. We must open ourselves up to that transcendent. And the, as you're talking about the, the various experience of the, the saints, I mean, one of the most famous stories of, of Thomas Aquinas, who um, this is a very, very important saint. He at the uh, 300 years later at the Council of Trent, which answered the Protestant Reformation, the Bible and the Summa Theologica, his great writings, are on the altar, and he experienced uh, this mystical mystical reality. He apparently uh, had a he passed out or went into a coma for like three weeks. Wakes up, tells everybody who's there around him, says, "Take everything I have, everything I wrote, and burn it. All is straw." Because right. when we're <laughs> right, when we have it, it, it's like it's it's the whole notion. We can talk about falling in love or being in love. But the experience of being in love right. goes, goes way beyond any of those words. And, and name any, any married couple 
who after years, and they really genuinely love each other, and they might even like each other, right? But they really love each other. And that experience that I, I, I have words of things to describe my beloved, but at the end of the day, I just love them. I just love them who they are. And you are going to drive us into this reality. So thank you. Yes, it's called the, uh, in the Eastern spirituality, it's called the epiphatic theology. In other words, mm -hmm. if you notice in the, you go to Byzantine churches, uh, those who are familiar with the Eastern liturgies, our prayers, which are very long, beautiful, and comprehensive, they always speak in negations about God. They speak about what God isn't. Like he's incomprehensible, he's immeasurable, he's ineffable, uh, he's he's infinite, you know, because the more we say about him, it falls short. So we reach for another word, it falls short. So we can actually say more about God by saying what he isn't. <laughs> mm. and, and that kind of thing where you're 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 it, because it's it's a all all analogies, all words fall short. And until we actually go into that, they almost it's called the apathetic. It's like knowing without knowing, like like what Thomas had when he had that mystical experience. It's like he crossed. See, for him, like for him, like the artist was trying to break those barriers and trying to get across them through their art. He was doing it through his intelligence, but he crossed through that intelligence when he had that mystical experience, and that's why he said what he did. Mm -hmm. That 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 yes. he broke that barrier and went into the transcendent that his mind was searching for, it, it, and the same thing the artist searched for for to, uh, through their sense of beauty, and and they 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 come up against that threshold, and they want to break it, and Thomas broke it through that experience. Yes, and that's why somebody did. Yes. And actually, and and uh, as you're talking, one other story that that comes to mind is Saint Francis of Assisi. Uh, and uh, he apparently had in, in prayer had asked God, I want to hear one note of heaven, just one. Yeah. Three weeks later, he woke up from coma. Okay. <laughs> so be, be, be careful, be careful what you're asking for because you just might get it and it's moved off a plane, right? Oh, the, like, and your life is never the same. So right. I, I, I want to make sure I get this, this series of questions out because I'll be remiss if I don't, if I don't get this, right? I want to play devil's advocate, okay, <clears throat> on some of this. So two-part question. How the heck can a priest, a priest in good standing paint nudes? Isn't there something wrong with that? What's your response to that? Well, my response is I, I almost think it should be required class for mm. the seminary. Uh, I, more. I, I, I think um, I think every priest should have that experience. Even if they don't have art, don't have necessarily art ability. Yes. They, I think they need to have experience of trying that, trying to mm -hmm. to to move towards that threshold. What that is like, how to really see the human body in terms of beauty, and that you can do that. It is possible, and because that's how you develop. It's almost like, okay, it's a little bit like people may be taken aback with this, but it's a little bit like training with live ammunition, you know? But, yes. but you know, if you want to be a for real soldier, you want to be a, you want to be a mm -hmm. Navy SEAL, you, you'll train with live ammunition. And that's what priests mm -hmm. are, the Navy SEALs of the church, okay? And you've yes. got to be trained. You've got to be there. 
And, and uh, I think to have that experience so that you can actually help others to come to know really how to help them with purity of heart, purity of vision, is that you, you kind of sense it yourself, you know. Uh, so all the more reason, the, the person, the priest, that the person that should be most capable, most expected to uh, paint or draw the human body, uh, to behold that naked, should, should be a priest. Because it's about the sacramental worldview. You know, I'll tell you another story along that along those lines. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes women will nurse their babies in church. Uh, and they'll cover up and so on, you know. And I always tell them, I tell them, but I, I don't make, you know, if they want to, you know, I'm a theology body guy. You know, they, they, they don't have to cover and be ashamed. You know, they, they run into the bathroom. Imagine they run into the bathroom. Mm. You eat in the bathroom, right? What's that? You eat in the bathroom, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. It's awful. That one of the most important, beautiful things, they run into the bathroom. Like, that's what it's, it's mm. this See how we are with sexuality? It's this banal, dirty thing that you hide, you know, in, in the, uh, uh, in, in, you hide, you know, and uh, no one can see it, whatever. Well, the thing is, I was, some, one woman was, these women were talking and saying, you know, this woman, so and so, she nurses her baby. She sits in the front row, you know. And there's the father up there giving his homily. So I can just imagine, boy, that's horrible. And I thought to myself, um, no, if anyone should be totally at ease with that sight, it should be the priest. Yes. It yes. Should be the, he should be totally at ease with that. Of all the people there, he should be the most at ease with it. And if he's not, that's a problem. That's a problem. Can you actually... The priest. Can you answer that question? Why? Why should he be at ease with that? Because he, above all people, should see the beauty and the sacramentality of that action at that moment. Mm -hmm. That is part of a, a, an amazing part of God's order of creation. And secondly, in fact, I think that what would help heal our pornography and lust in our culture is for women to be seen very commonly nursing their children in public. Mm. Everybody knows that ease. I'm not talking about being showy. I just talk about don't hide it. Don't you don't even have to cover up. A lot of cultures it don't. Is. It just is. Because what that's going to do, you're going to see now that the, the problem with our warped vision, Steve, is that we don't see that. So what happens? We see those parts of a woman as purely ornamental. Yes. purely for arousal and that's a lie that's a false vision primarily that part of woman is functional it's milk bottles you know it's functional <laughs> and when, when, a, when a baby when a woman is nursing a baby let's say she's not covered up at all what do you see the baby's head if you mm -hmm. if you in any way are bothered by that you have a problem shame on you and you better yes. get it fixed especially as a priest. There is no way that should be some kind of occasion of you mm -hmm. think that's fortified or lust or whatever. No way. Even mechanically, even physically, Steve, because what you're seeing there, if you look right at her nursing that baby, 99% of what's in your view is the baby's head. Yes. So what is your problem? Yes. What is taboo about this? You know, it's all in your head because the culture has formed you and not the sacramental worldview. And so the priests of all should know, should have that view, and should know what that is and be totally at ease with it. Totally at ease.
When I heard that, those yes. things, and then one time I even heard the priest say, "Oh yeah, well, uh, when so and so is there, yeah, I, I make sure I'm not looking at that." I thought, "Oh man, that, that's the moment. That's the failure right there. That's the blown opportunity." You as the priest should be able to say, "It doesn't bother me. It's natural. It's God's order. It's beautiful. It's loving. Mm. She's not being showy. She's being natural." And there are many cultures in the world that do that openly without any, you know, a lot of cultures are even topless, all that, perfectly natural. I'm not talking about topless at the beach. I'm talking about out in the fields, in the huts and all that, these cultures, you know, that they, 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 they have moved past. Because they're so natural, they've moved past seeing a woman's body as purely, purely mm -hmm. ornamental or sexual arousal. That's our problem in the Western world because of what we've done, what we've done to it. And we, we have seeing natural processes like nursing a baby or even the, the body of woman, we've seen it completely, completely detached from its functional value and its sacramental value. You, it, 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 the answer for this, to retain this purity of heart, is not cuss to the eyes as we think of it. It's like, oh, God, I can't look away. No, you learn to look at it the right way. Yes. That's overcome this. You look at it as yes. a right. It's your vision that's screwed up. It's not the body that's wrong. It's how you're seeing it. And and you're and you, especially as a Catholic and as a Catholic priest, is supposed to be the, the, the teacher and example of the essence of, of the Catholic thing, should be the one most at ease with it, most sacramental in their yes. view. Yes. And and if There's, you're not, I, you, no, you're not please. Catholic. You're not Catholic. Yeah, you're we're, you're going to have a sacramental ethos in your heart, in your mind, your soul, especially as a priest. A priest isn't pure because he doesn't look at these things. He's pure because he sees them, as you said before, with that echo of Adam and Eve before the fall. Mm. With the peace the interior gaze. Amen. Can it never be Amen. perfect? I know a lot of people listening, oh, that's not possible. I didn't say it's 1,000% it's perfect. You, there's nothing perfect after original sin. However, as John Paul II says, we can re we can retrieve an echo of that original innocence. It's still there. Yes. It's still there, and that's what we where we have to reach. We have to reach beyond historical man to original man and capture the essence of it. We can't go back. Even John Paul says we can't go back totally, but we can grab a very very important mm. essence echo of that original innocence, and that is what Catholic is about. Mm. Oh, okay. Father, let me, it, are you hearing this? My bro brothers and sisters here, are you hearing this, right? Does your heart desire more, right? What our culture gives off is not a mystical sacramental vision of the human person. It's oh. it's stealing our desire here. And so if you are experiencing, if there is what Father Loya is, is bringing out here, if you're feeling pain, if you're feeling a, 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 a hurt, a longing here. Don't suppress it. Open right. it up. Open it to transcend it. Open this to God. Let that let that pain ruminate there a little bit, right? Because our, our world, in many cases, wants to numb the pain. Don't go there. But what that right. is, as as Lewis would say, right? God whispers in our pleasures, but He shouts through our pains. Pain is right. a megaphone used to rouse a sleeping world. And this is exactly. what he wants to do in you. So especially if you haven't had this vision, if this has not been your 
your encounter and, and you're, you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking, okay, this is really weird, but I'm also kind of intrigued by this, but, uh, but, I, but I'm feeling shame here. But me, maybe, just maybe, it's a calling to let that be redeemed by what, Father is nailing it, what this redeemed vision is. This is an, a, a major aspect of what we want to communicate to you and, and exactly. how you get this. You, you said it right, Steve. You said what should be said, but we're too afraid to say it to everybody out there, especially men, and most especially those struggling with, you know, porn or loss and all that. You just said the thing that has to be said to them. And we're afraid to do it. And that's why so many men never cross that threshold into real redeemed vision. Yeah. And you have to be able to go there. You have to be able to go up to that vision. Don't be afraid of it. And and you have to break through. You have to break that 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 crust, that that boundary of the non-sacramental that we're imprisoned with. You got to bust through it so you can actually now learn to see sacramentally. That's where the true period of heart. Period of heart is not because you didn't look at anything. Period of heart is because you saw something and could see it sacramentally. Mm. What, is the mm. what is a custodian? It's someone who cares for something. You care for something by running away from it? Mm. That's not custody. That's fear. Custody means you are steward of it. You are in control. You oversee it. You are in control of it, of your vision and how you react to something. And, and, and the only way that can happen is you have to experience this. You have to be able to see sacramentally you see a billboard you know so many billboards a lot you know we're surrounded with soft porn as you know you know it's not hardcore but soft porn oh. all over you see that billboard you see that you now have to then turn that into prayer turn it into like a a, a mystical experience turn that person into a real person give her a name yes. say a prayer for her you know that she had to do this for a job you know <laughs> pose like this whatever don't be afraid of it. See, it's like, oh, it's attractive beauty. Yeah, good. Praise God. Turn it to prayer. Pray. You know, you know, it's a, you know, Steve, it's the eye mind coordination, the synapse there. You know, man, it's very quick. It's split second, but it's between here and here. That's the battle. Now, in, in that synapse, it's going to either be God or the devil. And we have to let it be. We're going to see sacramentally that, that data that's going to go in the eye. Is going to hit the brain and in between that's where you got to make the choice and learn how to turn it into prayer to capture it turn it into prayer and then to move on you don't let it have its own power in you but you're automatically going to lost and sin and all that you you have to capture that and you have to be able to see turn it to prayer isn't that wonderful that god makes such beauty and mm. i'll pray for her because if she's up there with that kind of a job she probably was an abused girl herself. She probably a single mother with a girl with a, with a kid or something. Why would she be doing it? Make her a person, pray for her, appreciate the beauty, pray, pass on. I thought I, I call it see, pray, pass on. Amen. 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 And this is beautiful. And, and a lot of this is especially a, a huge part of the work that we're doing in freedom coaching. If you if you're looking for help on that, check out freedom-coaching.net. And I think. This, this is where the, the challenge lies for all of us. Are you going to choose to see or are right. you going to choose to remain in the darkness? Right. Exactly. And, and on, the, on, on the psychological part and especially on, on the brain science part, what, what Father, what you're talking about here is rewiring of the brain. You're creating right. these, yeah. new neural, these new neural pathways that the exactly. way in which it, 
Even if a man has been programmed by pornography for years, the more that we're programmed by genuine beauty, and this becomes our way of seeing, guess what happens? The synapses actually change. The pathways begin to get rewired, and the things that were ravenous lust before, now when we're engaging those images as a human being, seeing them as a person, guess what? Our emotions begin to change, and we start to create what I argue is this is the number two virtue we need in our world today. Number one is courage. Number two is empathy. To be able to enter into the world of another and recognize they are a unique and unrepeatable human right. being like myself, right. worthy of nothing less than love. Oh, it's beautiful, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Um Go, last thought on this, because we, I, I like, there's so much here. I'm gonna have to have you on for another. I have a whole other element I'd love to, to unpack here. But last thought here. Well, quick, the grace blessing of having the art thing, Steve, is like when I see somebody, it could be a beautiful woman, it could be an old man, wrinkly, you know, it could be somebody kind of fat, whatever. You know what I, you know what I see when I see that? I right away I'm drawing. I'm drawing them. I think, wow, what a great, what a great subject they made. I'd love to sit them down and start drawing them, start drawing that face, drawing that body. It's got character. It's got, oh, that's how I look at it. That's another reason why I know not everybody's gonna have that because you're not the artist. But like if people, like I said about it, if guys all priests, some areas could have art class, whatever, because you might be able to learn that. You might be able to. That's how you start seeing them instead of just like, oh, well, you know, beautiful woman. I'll just start lusting. No, it's like. Beautiful woman, what a great subject for drawing. Boy, I'd like to capture yes. this and that, you know. Or it could be an old person. But you know what? I mean, it was a great face to draw. Mother Teresa. Yes. Mother Teresa. Yes. Oh, full of wrinkles. Just full of wrinkles and interesting, like her face, like a roadmap. There. But that soul coming through there and her teeth and all that. Oh, yeah. oh, she's a great person to draw. Beautiful. You know? Beautiful. Right? Exactly. Beautiful. Oh. And, and is she society's beauty? No, she's not, you know. What do, you, what do you call these girls that Cindy or whatever Crawford or whatever the models the models we all, but that's but there's a tremendous beauty there it's a fascinating I'd love to draw that you know that's how you start and, 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 and what this is doing father I mean what you're what you're hitting on here so I, I'll I'll, uh, I'll close out our section here for for the time being there's a pause on our conversation on this element is your and I thank you for this like you're helping us to fall in love with humanity and how how needed is this here where there are forces you mentioned about communism you mentioned about even moving into the this whole push on trans uh is and i again i'm going to say this but we're we're not going to give any commentary because we, we're just out of time the whole trans transhumanist movement which wants to eviscerate humanity and say right. that humanity is a problem no no the problem is not humanity the problem is sin and we've got to make the distinction between the two of them and learn to love the human being so father Thank you for going deep here. Um, I'm going to change our topic here. And for those who are uh, fans of the Vision podcast, you know what's coming. Father Loya has no idea what's coming here. So here it comes. Father Loya, um, I want you, in order for people to get to you more, okay, I want to introduce to you what we call the 12, okay? So these are, I mentioned earlier, this is something uh, completely off the beaten path, completely different from what we're talking about here. It's a series of 12 questions that I ask. Most questions I, I ask, ask uh, all guests on this on the Redeemed Vision podcast. So I encourage you, just um, don't overthink this. I know you're a deep thinker. Clearly, we get that, right? Don't overthink this. This is off the top of your head. Um, 
and then just share from that space. You ready? Okay. Okay. Number one, peanut butter, creamy or crunchy? Uh, creamy. <laughs> Number two, if you could be any Star Wars character, who would you be? Oh, um, that's a little hard for me, Steve, because I, I was familiar with the first Star Wars, but I didn't really keep up. Go there. But uh, probably the uh, the monk, the one that's the... Uh, oh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. My money was on, on, on Yoda as you were talking, but we'll go with Obi-Wan. Um, <laughs> number three, uh, what is your desert island food? My desert island... Uh, Island food. If you were trapped on a desert island, you could only eat one thing. What would that be? Oh. Mm. Wow. Oh. Um. One thing. Uh. He's he's overthinking it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll just say something with seafood. There you go. Well, you're you're probably in the right place there. Excellent. Uh, number four, two-part question: beer or wine? Wine. What kind? Red wine. Uh, Red Cabernet. Wine. Yeah. Chardonnay. Excellent. Beautiful. Okay. Number five. Um, growing up, what was the most the most memorable Christmas gift you received? Growing up. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, uh, let's see. Well, to be honest, the the most memorable, the most memorable thing, I don't know if you call it a gift, but beyond the gift, I guess could be a gift would be the traditional Christmas Eve Holy Supper we would do at home mm -hmm. and um, did symbolism and so on uh, was probably the, and then the, the experience of church would, would be the most memorable to me. I can't, I don't have any uh, material gift memorable that was that memorable. They were all memorable, but I don't think any one that stands out. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Number six. Uh, what is your bucket list city or country? Oh, um, I'd like to go to Hungary. Hmm. hmm. Very interesting. Um, how's your Hungarian? Yeah. So I, yeah, I kind of passed through it and all that, crossed it and all that, but never went there. And uh, it's also my heritage. Also, um, it, you know, just been a bucket. It's a bucket list. Definitely a bucket list. Very cool. Speaking of uh, John Paul, it was the one language he just couldn't handle, apparently. He said this is too hard <laughs> towards the end of his life. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's different. It's, uh... <laughs> well, that's something yeah. that's still languages. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's 17, and like, so there's hope for me that, okay, if I, I know where my limits are, here we are. Here we are. Um, number seven, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, like personal superpower? Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be um, it, it would be humility. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. Number eight. This is a two-parter. Um, have you seen The Chosen? No, I haven't seen it. Heard a lot about it though, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Okay. So my so this the second part question will turn to a, a recommendation. I do highly recommend it. Uh, you as an artist, I think, would find some value here. I'll leave it. Good. Yeah, I've heard. Right, no, no, okay. no spoilers. Great. No spoilers. <laughs> um, number nine. Besides your name and uh, date, what do you want written on your tombstone? Oh, uh, I keep telling all kinds of people. I keep assigning them to write certain things on my tombstone. So that's <laughs> the one thing we'd want. I would say. Um, I'd probably say live in the both hand. Mm. Live in the both Are hand. Are you Catholic? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Excellent. I'll take that. Number <laughs> 10. If you could only pick one, and don't overthink this. Here we go. If you only pick one, who's your favorite saint? Um, They're all like, pick me, pick me. Yeah, probably. Probably Chrysostom. Okay. St. John Chrysostom. Very yeah. good. Beautiful. John. Uh, number 11. Okay. This is also probably a hard one for you, but we're going to go here. If if you could only pick one favorite quote of John Paul II, what would it be? Uh, the, the spousal mystery is a fundamental element of human existence. Yes. yes. Beautiful. And number 12, why be Catholic? Because it is the only way. There is no other way to live of life. It is the way of life. It is not a religion. Yes. Uh, you, um, I know you are probably not aware of this, but you are kind of quoting Star Wars right now. For any Mandalorian <laughs> lovers, um, we like to say in the Catholic world, this is the way. Congratulations, right. Father Loya. Congratulations, <laughs> you've made it through the 12. You have been a part of the Redeem Vision podcast. And apparently maybe everything goes back to Star Wars. We don't know. But yeah, well, um, yeah that's why it's so popular. Indeed. So Father, where, uh, last question here. Where is the best place for people to get in touch with the work that you do? Oh, uh, Probably your, uh, your Tabor Life uh, website, TaborLife.org. Also, um, I have um, I have a, a long-running radio program called Light of the East, which is on EW10 network and affiliates, local affiliates, Light of the East. Usually, it's uh, broadcast on Sundays, sometimes Saturday nights. And then thirdly, my daily Facebook meditations. They're live. They're just two minutes long. And... Uh, it's just the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church Facebook page. It's the Facebook page of my parish. So I would say those three things clue you into what I'm about. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. And Father Loya, um, thank you for being here. And one, uh, just one other thing to whet your appetites for all those who are listening to this. Uh, Father Loya graciously years ago uh, added to the appendix of my book, Redeemed Vision, a very interesting story of his time as an art student. I'm not going to give it away here, but I encourage you, if you're interested, to go deeper. Check out that story. Uh, it probably will blow your mind as it did mine. And I'm honored and humbled that it's a part of uh, of this great work. So Father Loya, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing uh, sharing your heart and uh, your mystical uh, vision for reality. Um, may we have your blessing as we head out from here. May the Lord, oh, I don't say, it's providential we're speaking together, Steve, because we're in the midst of the feast of the, when Christ is mm -hmm. brought into the temple, placed in the arms of Simeon, and he sees yes. sacramental, and he sees God in his hands, and nothing else matters. He can die now. So the, mm. that vision, the sacrament of vision of God is what that event was about. That's what we're talking about. So may the Lord God bless mm. you out of Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And the Lord God grant you every good petition as is his good will. Grant you long life, health, and salvation, purity of heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Loya. I'm going to talk to you on the on the other side here. And for all of those who have joined us here, I do encourage you to check out the work of Tabor Life Institute and the work they're doing uh, against TaborLife.org. Uh, check out the work that we're doing at Freedom Coaching, Freedom-Coaching.net, where we believe nothing is wasted. Everything is redeemable. May everything we do give glory to the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Until next time, I'm Steve Bacorny with Freedom Coaching, and this is the Redeemed Vision, uh, Redeemed Vision Podcast. Blessings. The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Movie.